Happy Mother's Day and welcome to the Linked Up Church podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Trish Gregory comes with a life-changing message entitled Verses for Verses. Get your pen and your pad ready and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Now, today we celebrate and honor our mothers in a particular way. We should honor our mothers and fathers every day, but in a particular way on today, right? The, the, uh, uh, the, the pursuit here is so that she does nothing today that she does not want to do. And so, you know, but, and the mother said, um, but on this day, it brings a whole lot of mixed emotions. Some people are grieving their mothers. Some people are missing their mothers. Some mothers are dealing with the guilt and shame of their children being wayward, maybe in prison. Some women are grieving miscarriages. Some women are grieving abortions. This day comes with a lot of emotions. But one thing I could say about every mother, not every mother, most mothers, their intent and their pursuit for most mothers is that their children live lives that are better than their own. I don't know many mothers, I know a few, but not many mothers that don't want their children to excel in every area. And even those that, I, that might not, in my own opinion, I believe in my heart that in their own way, they're trying to achieve that same goal. Now, as great as a mother's love is, because it's like, the immeasurable love. You know, when you think about human-to-human human love, yes, there's marital love, and, and we love our spouses. But I hear all too often how women didn't know what sacrificial love was until they had a child. And as great as that is, there's yet one that loves you even more. There is one who is personally vested in your success. There is one that died that you might live your best life. There is one that did everything that he knew to do so that you could have everything that you need on this earth. And his name is Jesus. As great as a mother's love is, her love is only a drop in the bucket in comparison to the shed blood and the broken body and the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords, named Jesus. Now, today's title, if I had to ascribe one, is called Verses for Verses. Verses for Verses. Because in his effort to make sure that you live your best life, he came here to demonstrate, enact, and fulfill what had been written for thousands of years. And then he left his will and testimony so that you continue to live in it and be aided by the power of his name and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that you can have your best life. Unfortunately, however, all too often, 
Society is filled with people that say that they believe in Jesus, but live life as if he does not exist. You know, mama wants the best life for us. Y'all remember that song? Mama used to say, take your time, young man. Mama used to say, don't you rush to get old. Mama used to say, listen, Jesus had a whole lot to say. That was more than a four and a half minute song. Jesus had a whole lot to say in 66 books. His library for living life on top. Craig Rochelle, pastor and author, says that we are living among many that believe in God, but living as though he does not exist in his book, The Christian Atheist. We come to church on Sunday looking pretty, smelling good, even feeling good. By the time we broach the doors of the church, oftentimes, or turn on the TV or our devices, we are in our moral best character. But know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he is with you wherever you go. He is an ever-present help in your time of trouble. He has never left you nor forsake you, even in your foolery. He's but a yellow way. We are living in a time. Now, let me back up. In large part, many Christians ignore, doubt, minimize, and or neglect the power and the inerrancy of God's word. So when we talk about verses for verses, we're talking about verses from the word of God to deal with your vices that are verses contrary to the word, what the Word of God has to say. Now, according to a Gallup, 2022 Gallup poll, 20% of Americans believe the Bible is the literal Word of God. That's down from 24%. Now, this is Americans. Whether it's Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, atheists, whoever, only 20% of Americans believe the Bible is the literal Word of God. So I would choose to believe that's perhaps mostly Christians. 29% of Americans believe that it's a collection of fables, legends, stories, and moral precepts recorded by man. Versus, now this is the church, the same Gallup poll. 58% of Christians say that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And only 25% of Christians say the Bible is the actual word of God. Now... Which is it? Is it the inspired word of God? Or is it the literal word of God? I submit to you, according to the word of God, it's both. Because where he prophesied, it was his word. Where he spoke, it was his word. Where man recorded, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But what's true is that no matter how you deem it, when that Bible came together... It took over 150 years for it to come together. And the collection that caused it to come together was done by hundreds of men that made it what it is today. So Holy Spirit was constantly weaving his scarlet thread to make sure we had all that we need to live life on top. Now, we're living in a time where public opinion, education, association, degrees, political affiliations, crystal sage, horoscopes, cute quips and quotes mean more to people 
than the word of God itself. Humanity innately yearns for a heightened sense of spirituality and awareness. However, the perversion of the enemy endeavors to convince humanity that is found anywhere but God's word. Since the Garden of Eden, Satan has been on one assignment and it's been consistent. Did God really say that? And did he really mean that? We question his word, we question his power, we question his inerrancy, we question his omnipotence, we question his omniscience, we question his omnipresence. All too often, and then turn around and want to pray that he delivers, heals, sets free, and gives peace. When everything that we need is right here. His voice, his prophecy... Miracle signs and wonders is only a supplication to what we failed to get in his word. There is no greater power in the earth besides Holy Spirit than his word. Second Timothy. Listen, I done left my little notes already. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 14 through 17 in the message by the way, I might not finish all of this. I'll let you know right now because I'm going to take my time. But the notes are in the YouVersion Bible app. And if you have not by now downloaded the Linked Up Church app, they're there as well. Those of you online, you got the notes already because I'm, you're looking at us by way of the app, I hope. So be sure to be like the Bereans and go back and study the notes. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 in the message, this is the message version. He says, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. In the Amplified, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. Say, all scripture. What's left after all? All scripture. Say that again. Is God breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration of, to obedience. Oh, wow. Really? For training in righteousness, learn to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately. Behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. What? Morality takes courage? Yeah, darn tootin' it does. So that the man or woman of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for, say this with me, every good work. Every good work. How many of you online, raise your hand, want to be inclined to good works? All of us do, right? We don't wake up in the morning. At least I hope most of us don't wake up in the morning trying to figure out how to be bad. We might see bad as a solution to get us out of worse sometimes. But we don't wake up planning on how we can do bad. At least not the Christian. 
Luke 21, 33 in the Amplified Classic says, the sky and the earth, the universe and the world will pass away, but my words will not pass away. However, there are many Jesus followers that also share, you know, I've talked about the, 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 the ones that are on the outside of God's word, but then there are you that are here, that I choose to believe in viewing us online, that I choose to believe quite the contrary. That you're like, no, that's not me. Although I know some people that might be like that, but that's not me. You share Timoth Paul's testimony of Timothy, where in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 in the Amplified, Paul's talking about Timothy. And he says, I remember your sincere and unqualified faith, the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power, wisdom, and goodness, a faith which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois, and the mother of Eunice. And I am confident that it is in you as well. When Audrey and Emmanuel sang that song, what grandmama used to do and what mama used to do, most of you can attest that you are sitting here today, you are standing in life today because of the prayers of grandmama and mama. You might have been that drug baby, that baby that was drugged to church on Sunday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, we can't forget Friday night, night watch, Saturday morning prayer, then back on Sunday. How many of you live that life? <laughs> Ooh, praise God that you are still here. Many of us share that testimony where we know we are the product of a grandmother or a mother or a godmother that prayed us through. But, you know, the power, know this, I want to prod you even further to pursue God's word with everything in you. You know, the power contained in the word of God is life-giving. It answers every question that you may have and gives you strategy for every problem that you may face. I don't care how many Tony Evans, Robbie whoever, Zig Ziglar, Dale Carnegie, all these self-help books that are great books. John Maxwell, great books, great teachers, great inspiring speakers. Everything that's rooted in everything is good came from one source. And it came from the Word of God. Truth endures through centuries and through millennia. And I don't care if it's an atheist speaking it. If it's truth, it still came from God. If it produces fruit, it still came from God. The Word of God contains every success strategy, every healing prescription, and proper behavior methods to cause you to live your best life. Now, we're going to talk about some statistics because you know I love facts. I love, I love how facts end up proving God to be true. But also, I love the fact that facts also expose us and where we are and where we need to be. So, I've written here that many people rather consume content on social media and television rather than 10 minutes of reading the Bible on a regular basis. How many Christians actually spend time with the Bible? How many Christians actually spend time with the Bible? Now, there's been some studies done, and I found them. Gallup poll, you can put that first chart up. Gallup poll, you'll see that 
on one side, it says the highest bars, the highest bars there represent those that never read the Bible. Everything in between goes from less than once a year, once a year, once a month, maybe once a week, maybe a couple of times a week, all the way to the very end, which, praise God, is the second highest number, but that's compiled with all the other stuff in between. It's still isn't as high as those that never read the Bible. So we go from 11% that say they read it every day to 29% that say they never read it at all. So their only time of power of God's word, mind you, this is Christians, that they spend with the life-giving power of his word, what he came and what he embodied, is less than 15%. 15%. I read a statistic, and it was, uh, in, in studying all this, it was interesting to me. Um, so I read it along with this, but it ended up being mentioned at a uh, graduation on yesterday. I read a little different number, but nevertheless, it's still about the same. If every American in this country were to have some ideology of faith, ideology of faith, whether it's Christianity, Hindu, Jewish, Muslim, whatever, and if all the church doors were opened and filled to capacity every day that they had a service, it would still only fit 5% of America's population. That was what was quoted yesterday, but what I read, it was 7%. 7.5% of America's population would be able to attend every church, every synagogue, every mosque, every temple, every day the doors are open at how many services they had. So we got work to do, y'all. We have work to do. And people don't want to hear how much you know. They want to see how you're living. Jesus charged us to be living epistles. How can we be living epistles? By endeavoring to live by the word of God. Now, the second chart, let's compare this verses, right? How many people read the, read the Bible versus how, many, how much time is spent on internet-connected devices? Y'all see that? As of 2022... Um, adult Americans spend seven hours and four minutes a day on average on some type of internet-connected device, whether it's their laptop, their pads, tablets, or phone. And we are not spending at least 10 minutes in the Word of God. Now, I don't want to beat y'all up, but I want to beat y'all up. No, I say this because, ooh, don't cry, girl. If we're not careful, we'll be dragged down the same funnel as the world in darkness is in their identification with confusion, depression, hurt, and pain. There's this here very good and noble effort right now that transparency is key. Yes, transparency is key. Being honest with yourself is great. And being honest about yourself with others is wonderful. 
But let's be sure that we're honest with God in our efforts to change, in our efforts to grow, in our efforts to heal. Because the church cannot go on looking like the world. There has to be a great divide of power and light, love and success than that of the world. And if we look alike, then what on earth did Jesus come here and die for? What was the sacrifice for? He's all not ready acknowledged that the way to the, the heaven is narrow and straight. But let's be on that, thank you, narrow and straight road. And not going with the trends. The viral. He left his word so that you can live your best life. No, not everybody's best life is going to be a seven-digit life. But that does not qualify for a best life because I know plenty of billionaires out there that's miserable, that's suffering, that's sick. That don't even know how to tap into the word of God for healing, even though it's available to them. But let a believer cross their path that will lay hands on them. Let them resurrect them from their bed of affliction. And then they come to you and say, Diane, what must I do to be saved? You are conduits of his mercy. You are conduits of his love. You are conduits of his healing. You are conduits of his prosperity. But how do you know that and how can you enact that if you aren't spending time in the prescription that he's given you? Your best life might be that of a very underappreciated occupation like being a teacher or a public servant, a first responder policeman. So much disrespect is going towards the police department right now. You have some that was trash, that didn't do right, but the vast majority of them, especially if they're people of color, endeavor to protect and serve. You can still live your best life as a first responder, as a teacher, as a housewife, as a retiree, or as a business owner, the CEO, the college graduate, you can still live your best life no matter what stage of life you're in because your best life is surrounded by peace, nothing missing, and nothing broken. It's not by the amount in your bank account. Now, when we talk about one of the most diagnosed issues of today, the most diagnosed health issue of the day, <laughs> I was shocked. It's no longer heart disease, cancer, diabetes. It is now mental health. And more and more people are being diagnosed with depression and anxiety than ever before in recorded history. And when I looked up on this here website called mind.org, the statistics. I'm not going to read the statistics, but it was, in, in, it was interesting to me that the biggest issues that go along with depression are worry, fear, and negativity. 
worry, fear, and negativity. But God has a prescription for that. He has a verse for that verse. He has a verse for anything that you're facing. So for the purposes of what we're going to talk about on this morning, we'll call worry doubt. We'll call fear fear. And we'll call negativity simply evil. Evil. Now, this is what God says overall. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13 in the Passion. For we have the living word of God. Say, for I have the living word of God. Online, say it. You don't have to type it, but say it to yourself. I have the living word of God. It is alive. It is true. It is sure. It is powerful for me. Now, he goes on to say, which is full of energy. It pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. Not one. You don't have to believe for him to know what's going on in your mind. In fact, that's how he got most of you. Before you ever believed. He dealt with you right where you were. He says here, For nothing that we do remains a secret. And nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, for whom we must render an account. Someday, y'all, we're going to have to give an account to God for our faith, for what we believed in. He's not judging us based on our sin. He's dealing with us based on how well we exercised what his son came down here and died for. How well did we walk in the salvation that was provided? We will be held accountable for how much we exercised faith or how much we decided to depend on ourselves. So, we'll introduce or we'll talk a little bit about Bible verses that will activate power to overcome these three weapons of the enemy. There are many, but I mean, because I've done this study for over the years. So there's like, I'm up to about 27 right now. But we're going to talk about, going to talk about the top three. And I already told you, I might not even get past those. So now, faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. I'm going to come down. I've got this long dress here. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Faith versus fear. Faith is a living, adventurous lifestyle whereby we relinquish control and seeking control of everything in our lives and we rely on God to prosper our way, deliver, heal, set free, favor us, and etc. That's what faith is. Faith is defined in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 as, well, I'll read it from the Amplified says, now faith is the, right, the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith is you saying, I don't have to have control, but God, I trust you. 
Faith is the firm persuasion that you have given God control. But because we've been so hurt, so dismayed, so betrayed, we have trained ourselves not to trust anyone. And because we trust no one, God happens to fall in that same category. Because guess what? In most cases, God is using another human being to get to you. Let me back up. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 in the Amplified says, For the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith. Disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. So when you decide to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, when you said, God, Jesus, you died for me. You cleansed me of sin. You made me right before you. When you said that, come into my heart, I receive you now as Lord, Master of my life and Savior, you also activated a faith that will take you from there to the next step, healing, to the next step, prosperity, to the next step, wisdom, to the next step, instruction. Your faith did not stop at salvation, but at salvation, everything was taken care of. So then, when we say what is faith, now, 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 right now, at 9.25 a.m., right now, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Did I just say that backwards? I don't know. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what it is. So in other words, that mama, when she found out she was pregnant, she started planning. I don't care if she wanted that baby or not, if she planned for it or not. The moment she got pregnant and she's keeping that baby, she's planning. She's planning. She's planning her shower. She's researching names. She's planning for colors. She's thinking about school. She's got to get it. If she's a single mama and she ha had this situation, even that woman is thinking, I'm going to need to get another job. I got to secure some whatever. That mother is planning. That's faith. That's faith, which is why it's such a tragedy when miscarriage happens. It's such a tragedy when stillbirth happens. Because all that planning and anticipation and great expectation, when that ends there, her faith is stomped. Woman of God, if that's you, get up and keep going. If you're married, let me qualify that. If you desire children, listen. Don't let a miscarriage stop you. Don't let a stillbirth stop you. When that child grows up, as they're growing up, most parents are trying to prepare, you know, especially if you go through those teenage years and you survived. You are preparing to get them out the house and go to college somewhere. You got to go somewhere, go military, college, get a job, but you got to be about this house more times than you're here. And a smart parent will prepare for that, right? Research, you know, apply and do our FAFSAs. If you, if you in America, you're doing a FAFSA. 
If you don't know what that is and you got kids, just wait a little while. Because you, you want that child to get as much money from other sources as possible. You're preparing, you're saving, or whatever the case may be. Then when they go to college, that's faith. That child is acting by faith that my college degree will get me a job. That's faith. Faith is acting on something right now that you don't see. Faith is putting something to task that has not yet manifested. When I sow seed into a Dr. Didi, or when I sow seed into a Mama Betty, when I sow seed into them, I want to tap into the anointing and the grace that's been operating in their lives for myself. I am sowing seed in anticipation that God will use me in great and mighty ways the way he designed me. I'm not trying to be a Dr. Didi or Betty Price because I am my own unique self and I'm so satisfied with that. But yet I am sowing into and anticipating with great expectation that God will use me in great measure as he had used them, whatever that looks like. And I got an expectation with my head stuck out. Like, what, what's next? How can I bless the people next? God, what do you want me to do next? I got to get past my own mess. But yet, I'm taking the baby steps necessary to get to where he wants me to be. Faith versus fear. I wrote here, living in fear. Now, that was faith. So faith is, I want you to think of something yourself. What is something that your heart desires? It's been there. If it's something that you don't quite know how to get to it, <laughs> good. Now, that's faith. You, you, you know, you're, you're I, someone I, I care for dearly. She's studying for some type of HR master something. She got to speak. She got all this here going on, right? But she is studying. She is practice testing. She is doing everything that she needs to do. Why? Because she's anticipating passing this thing. And she's anticipating all that perks with co that comes with these extra letters behind her name. I.e. more cha-ching. <laughs> right? More maneuverability in her career field. She is not studying, practicing, doing everything that she's doing in hopes or in anticipation of failing. Amen. That don't make sense. So what are you believing God for? It might be multiple things. It might be for your child to walk in the way in which you know you raised him to walk in, raise her to walk in. Your child may be cutting up and acting a fool right now as we speak. And it's out of your control because they have their own little mind, will, and emotions. But guess what? The seed of love never fails. The seed of love never fails. Love with righteousness now. It never fails. We can't be so stuck on being right whereby we lose our kids in the, t in the process. So then, what does fear look like? I wrote here, living in fear is an indicator of what we are focusing on and believe most. When we live in fear, now it's one thing to just be scared, startled. Ooh! That's one thing. Come on now. We all go through that. 
It's one thing to just have us go on a roller coaster and have a sudden drop and it scared you. But to live in fear means that you are in limited, inhibited by that thing that you fear. I wrote here that living in fear is an indicator of what we are focusing on and believe the most, which is contrary to God's will. Fear, well, you've heard this before, most of you, is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Now, I was arrested a long time ago. I was straight out of college, University of Michigan, go blue, hoo-hoo. And uh, this is when the Fab Five was out. And uh, I was invited by one of them to, even though they lost, y'all remember that timeout that Chris had done? Love you, Chris. Still love you, though. Um, that timeout got them in trouble. They lost the series, right? And so they had lost, and everything was done and over with, but they still, because they had planned on winning. They planned on winning that night. So they had arranged for this big old party at this here ballroom club up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I was invited to this here party, right? I get there, there's crowd control, and everything is crazy. It's bananas, right? Because everybody still wanted to party, even though they had lost. <laughs> That's a word for some of you. It might look like you lost. But if you just praise God and have your private party with him, your setup for the next victory is around the corner. And so, crowd control, uh, police all over the place. I'm in the front of the line. My friend is in front of me trying to protect her because she's all of five feet tall. And I'm my five, six self, almost five, six. And so what ended up happening, long story short, police was trying to control the crowd, and he groped me. I let him know he groped me, but he would not move his hand. So now I lose my mind. I know I could have handled it better, but I didn't. And so, you know, I was still not too far off from the dojo. So I still was practicing a little bit my martial arts. And listen, I tried to spar with him right then and there. <clears throat> and I was immediately uh, surrounded by five officers, slammed on top of a police car, and arrested. Now, I wasn't drunk. I wasn't high. I was in my right mind, and I knew exactly what I was doing. I weighed the consequences before I did it. Now, when I get to court, they say, we saw her, and we have evidence that she intentionally was trying to hurt a police officer. And then, I don't know what it's called now, but I was charged with assault, and it was greater because it was a code of colors assault. In other words, I assaulted a uniformed police officer. So that elevated the charge. And so they said, we have evidence, and we believe that she intentionally tried to harm a police officer who was innocent and simply trying to exercise crowd control. They had no evidence. It was false evidence. I knew what I did. I knew what happened. I knew in my soul that I, I, even before Christ was real in my life, I knew that this was false evidence, and I was not going to be in fear because it was not real. When people are afraid to get on the plane, and praise God, the rest of the story was that, you know, they got me to the police office place, and, uh, you know, everything was found to be erroneous, and 
everything was expunged as long as I didn't get in trouble for six months. I didn't get in no trouble because I'm a, you know, a good girl for the most part, as far as they knew. And it, <laughs> but nevertheless, I refused even in that state because I was so, I was brought up on principle. I knew that they could not get me on this case because what I did was not based on the evidence that they claimed to have. People who are in fear, if you are in fear of everything, snakes, flying, roller coasters, whatever the case may be, when people are afraid of flying, the, def the translation is, I'm afraid of dying. And I believe the less than 1% chance of this plane crashing more than I believe the 99.5% chance of it making it. When we are afraid, when we live in fear of something, we have more confidence on the false evidence than we do in God's promises. Listen to what he says here. He says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 in the Amplified, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine judgment or punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. When we function in fear, we are not confident that God loves us. We sing the song, yes, Jesus loves me, yeah, no. It's a nice song, but unless it means something to you and you can trust that. And we're all mounting in our confidence of his love towards us. We are. But when we have a grasp of that love, then we can take bold steps by faith relinquishing control and allowing us to expose us to the great, wonderful, above and beyond, more than we could ever ask or think kind of love that he has towards us. So when we pray, pray that Ephesians prayer and we talk about that our God wants to do abundantly above all that we could ask or think, we quote it, we read it, we sing about it. But listen, it's steeped in us having a revelation of how much he loves us. How much he cares for us. What he has done for us. And I told y'all I wasn't going to get past point number one. I guess because faith versus fear stops so many of us. And it's not because we don't want God's best, but we haven't spent time in his word to change our mindset. Romans chapter 12 tw tells us in verse 2 that be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to change the way you think. Mind you, John the Baptist came first and his message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Salvation does not come without repentance. Oftentimes, we, re we respond to the altar call because we feel badly. Because we know we messed up. Because we are apologetic. God does not want your apology, nor does he need it. 
He wants your repentance. And what repentance means is to shift your thinking from the way you were thinking to the way you need to think. But you can't renew your mind unless you're spending time in his word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says that thou shalt not allow this word to depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night so that you may observe to do all that is written therein and you may have good success. He said good success. Oh, so is there bad success? Oh, you darn tootin' is some bad success. Anytime, because success is the biggest deceiver. Success is such a deceiver because we can have great bank accounts but then need healing in our body. We can have great relationships at our job and do great at our job but our relationships at home is toe up. We can have great degrees in education but our knowledge and truth is stumped because we're only going to go as far as our education will get us. And just because you have a PhD or a doctorate, it's in that category. It ain't in the other categories. And Holy Spirit will take you further than your education, your bank account, your, your position, your CEO title will ever take you. I'm not going to go through it, but just to, just to review or just to quickly shout out the next thing in your notes, we talk about trust versus doubt. Trust versus doubt. Learning to trust God requires you to let go. We hear that, let go, let God, let go, let God. Some of you can't even let go of your keys. The next one is good versus evil. Just because it looks good don't mean it is good. And some of y'all understand that. He wasn't that cute, was he? She wasn't that cute, was she? She looked good at the time, but later on they got real ugly, didn't they? So I encourage you to review your notes. Bottom line is this, folks. The Word of God has everything you need to live your best life. Don't beat the, the statistics of 29% that does not spend time in their Word. I'm not telling you you need to sit down and clear everything and, and dedicate one hour to reading a whole book of the Bible. There's enough power in one scripture or a passage to propel you 10 steps beyond your unlearned peers. There's enough power in John 3.16 when you get that to save many of people alive. That was the trajectory of a Billy Graham. My mother was raised Buddhist until her father died when she was 12 years old. After, not, soon after, not long afterwards, Billy Graham came and evangelized South Korea. He ministered in South Korea, and her mother and family converted to Baptists. 
Not that they knew anything about the Baptist church. They just liked what the man was being translated as saying. But they became born again, right? And in becoming born again, she was, even though I never saw my mother go to church not one time, but she kept that big old red Bible on her table. And she, and it was, it, we had two because I grew up in a multicultural house. So we had a big red Bible that was in English, and we had another big red Bible that was in Korean. And she would read her big Korean red Bible on a regular basis. Now, don't ask me how much of it did she really enact. She did the best that she knew to do. But listen, that was her anchor in being Christian. Jesus being the Son of God was, is what kept us from being indoctrinated into what my father was doing, being a Jehovah Witness. Now, it didn't go as best as it should have or could have gone, but nevertheless, I know that even in that chaos and turmoil, it created who I am today. Proverbs 13, verses 12, 12 through 13 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. He reminds us, John starts, and I love the book of John because he is so about the relationship that he had with Jesus. He was so convinced that Jesus loved him the most that he called himself the one that Jesus loved the most. You know, you ever talk to somebody and they talking in the third person as if they're not there? He said, yes, the one that Jesus loved. Dude, he talking about you, John. Just say, I, me. But he starts the book of John by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus identified with the word. The word that you hold near and dear to your heart, that you should hold near and dear to your heart, is God incarnated in this earth today. It is his presence today. Holy Spirit breathes life into that word and puts power into that word. When you believe it, we can quote scriptures. The devil quotes scriptures. I had a class in University of Michigan, the uh, class about the Apocrypha. Now, I just took it because I thought I wanted to learn. I, I did. I still wanted to learn something about the Bible, even in my ignorance. That dude was an atheist, but he knew the whole book of Revelations, frontwards and backwards, without even reading it. So we can get it here. But it's when you believe it and you act on it, that faith that propels you and moves you forward. So just like most parents, moms and dads, we want the best for our children. But there's no one that wants more for you, for you than God. He proved that by his death, burial, and resurrection. And so, you know... I pray that you, because I want you to get this so bad, because so many people are suffering, are suffering and in despair and, and in need and, and just confused, hurting and, and dealing with a silent sufferance and, and too embarrassed or too prideful to reach out for help. Your church is here for that. But guess who's always there? His word. 
and his word will, is the one that says, you may have tears in the night, but joy comes in the morning. His word says that he is the ancient of days and he will give you beauty for ashes. Wherever you are, yes, we pray because prayer is convenient. But don't, every time you scroll, I declare right now, and I prophesy, whenever you scroll, you are reminded to spend some time in the Word of God. Amen. I mean, I would, I'm going to say it. I mean, this might not be God or not, but I, I pray your thumb hurts. <laughs> Until you turn, switch, close down that app and open up your Bible app. Is that God, baby? <laughs> no. But I pray that every time you scroll, every time you open up an app, a social media app, every time you go to check that ding, every time you go to check that email, every time you go trying to record a TikTok, <laughs> that Holy Spirit is right there reminding you, did you get your word in today? Give me 10 minutes and I'll give you the power you need. Give me a chapter and I'll give you the power you need. Give me a little bit of your attention, devoted attention, and I'll reveal myself to you. I'll inch myself along. And I know the character of my God. He will meet you right where you are. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now that your people receive what it is, Holy Spirit, you've delivered. And as a result, they'll commit themselves to be pursuers of your word. You said those that are hungry and that thirst after you, they shall be filled. And we know that that filling comes from your word and the power of your spirit. So I thank you in advance for meeting them right where they are in every effort to pursue you. Show yourself strong to them. Confirm their efforts. Confirm your pleasure in their efforts so that they may grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app 
and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.